Hello, and welcome to Decency with DeLorean, the show on which I instruct you how to be more like me, while simultaneously engaging in the highly indecent activity of speaking solely about myself. Part of me wants to merge this show from being its own feed. If you're listening on the main feed, just know that it comes out a month early on Patreon for the low, low cost of $1 a month. But part of me wants to merge this with my other show, Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality, and just rebrand the whole mess to be called The Ho Rogan Experience. Because I've accepted who I am, and who I am at my very core is a gorilla who has a lot of curiosity. And if that ain't a descriptor of Joe Rogan, I don't know what is. But all I do is read things and work out. And that's a pretty good life. It's a happy life. I feel good. I feel better than ever. Am I having some pain issues relating to my endometriosis and surgery? Yeah, yeah. Do I have to go back to physical therapy because it feels like there's a piece of rebar going from my right hip out the back of my spine? Yeah. And do I psychologically worry that the endo has come back? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, because once a month my scar in that area swells up. Uh, when, and um, it makes me worry that a little endo got in the incision, which happens. And then over time, that incision starts to uh, open up and bleed monthly and get its own period. So uh, I'm hoping that's not the situation. And um, I'm hoping it's just residual nerve damage. And uh, hopefully me and, uh, well, I'm not going to say my doctor's name. Hopefully me and my physical therapist can work that out. And um, otherwise, I just have to accept that, uh, you know, I've reached the, the apex of healing and there will always be some pain and issue even with regular physical therapy. Um, and sometimes it be like that, which is the hard thing to accept sometimes is that bodies have limitations and I'm not great at accepting things. Um, I shouldn't say that. I accept a lot of things. A lot of people try to fight like the, um, the nuances of life. They try to every single thing that happens in their workplace or their interpersonal relationships that they don't like. They want, to air their opinion and fight about it. And I don't do that. And um, that's why people like me as a uh, romantic partner or an employee or whatever, because overall, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm not a complainer. I think I complain at work once every six months. I uh, air a grievance, which is helpful because uh, when you don't... um, regularly air grievances. When you do, there's a little more weight to it. Um, uh, And for the most part, it's nice in romantic relationships. It keeps 
the peace. Although historically, some people have found me to be boring. Because if you are used to a lot of like spice and arguments, you used to dating someone who's a little more caliente. Um, I'm kind of boring to date because I'm a bit of a Becky. I don't care what you do, to be honest with you. Like, I don't care what you do or say. Don't fuck other chicks and we're good. And then if you do fuck other chicks, I will quietly uh, exit the relationship. And that also will not even be an argument. Um, But uh, what was I going to say? So I shouldn't say overall that I have trouble accepting things. But if there's things that I want... Um, I will, I have trouble accepting that, like, I cannot get that because, um, I tend to be a hyper-focused person and I get very diligent when it comes to accomplishing my goals. I get very single-focused. Feel free to accuse me of being on the autism spectrum. Everyone does. I'm not sure. I don't really feel like delving into it. What does a diagnosis change? You know what I mean? I have a dog who is in heart failure. He has a really pronounced heart murmur and he's on meds to manage it, whatever. And every so often a vet throughout the course of his life, he's 16, they'll say, you should spend $3,000 getting him an EKG and like a whole workup at a dog cardiac care clinic. And I'll say, will that change the course of treatment or will it be the exact same? Like, will it be the meds and this and that? And they'll say, oh yeah, no, it, it won't change the course of treatment. It'll just allow us to know more of what's going on. But knowing more of what's going on doesn't change the action. So like, why bother? Why put the dog through that? Why put my finances through that? It doesn't, if it ultimately doesn't matter. And that's how I feel about um, the flagrant accusations of uh, being on the autism spectrum is that, does it change my life? It does not. It does not. And who knows? Maybe I got a touch of the tism. My brother uh, was diagnosed at a very young age. And um, I went to two, I did two college degrees in which I was surrounded by people with the tism and the programs that were largely populated by tisms. And uh, that whole time I was like, yeah, but I'm not one of them. These are my people. This is my tribe, but I'm not. I couldn't, no one's ever said that. Um, and I was college tutoring college trig when I was 16, but I was like, yeah, but I don't have autism. <laughs> what? Anyways, it doesn't matter. So, um, okay. Oh yeah. So, so my hyper focus and my diligence to like getting what I want. Um, and obviously like, you know, I finished multiple degrees. I love getting that sheet of paper that says that I'm a very good girl. I love spending a lot of money to hear that I'm a very good girl. Um, I love, like, I work really hard to get um, 
like my business off the ground. That was a hyper focus. Obviously, health and fitness has always been a hyper focus, but particularly now in the wake of my surgery, uh, that it's become even more attainable. Keto has really changed my life. Eating animal products has really changed my life. And um, the gains are phenomenal. But um, this fucking issue, this pain issue with my hip and back on the side where all my organs were fused together uh, from endometriosis, um, or they were, I shouldn't say fused, they were bound together with scar tissue and adhesions. The like that pain might be for forever. And a lot of people say you won't know you're healing from this surgery. You won't know where you stand until a year after the surgery. And I think I'm only like six months out. But, um, you know, thank God that I am a fitness junkie because otherwise the healing would not be where it's at. Um, I get like emotional when I think about if I weren't in Pilates, like where, what would my recovery have been like? Because Pilates is basically like advanced physical therapy and it'll help you recover from injuries and prevent future ones. And so I think that it helped prepare me for surgery and it definitely has helped me recover. And if I weren't doing Pilates uh, several times a week, I don't know that I could walk up right. Um, because just the stretching, um, and like the, like rebuilding the muscles, like I think I would, the the pain would keep me hunched over, uh, and the tightness and all that. So anyways, you know, the healing's going well, but the pain bothers me and, um, it's hard to quiet my mind because my mind, when it feels pain in that area, particularly if it's cyclical, which it is, it gets wor- It gets pretty bad when I ovulate is when it's at its worst. And I don't know if that's because like there's more systemic inflammation at ovulation or what. I haven't researched it. Um, but because like symptoms of endometriosis are cyclical because the uh, endo tissue creates its own estrogen and runs on its own hormonal hormonal cycle. So it, it isn't in line with your period, but it could be, it'll be cyclical. And like, so like I used to get a period out of my asshole the week before I got my period out of my vagina. That was my life. That was my life for like a decade. Um, uh, what? What was it talking about? Oh yeah. So I, it worries me. It worries me. And I have to quiet my mind and be like, you don't know, like, you don't know that the endo is back. You went to a top surgeon, you put the odds in your favor that you are going to be okay. And you aren't going to need surgery again. Just keep your head down. Keep working out. Keep working out. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay the fuck away from carbs. Um, I think, okay, this is where I say things that are cancelable, which make me a lot like Joe Rogan, hence my new identity as Ho Rogan, because I've always, I've long said this and now I've legitimately put it into practice where I don't eat sugars or carbs. I don't even eat fruit anymore. Every once in a while, I'll fuck around and eat a banana, but like you really don't need to eat fruit to get proper nutrition. A lot of people don't know that. Also, our fruit is not nutritionally dense in America because it's been bred 
for longevity and looks and not for nutritional content. Um, it's just full of sugar is what it is. Um, so uh, sugar and carbs are a fucking drug. They're a fucking drug. The idea that you could use, you could consume them in moderation is bullshit because it is one of the most addictive, uh, what am I trying to say? Addictive elements. Like sugar is so fucking addictive. It changes your biology. It's like, it's so fucking bad for you. And it doesn't bring anything to the table. And that's like the way to think about food. Like a lot of people, and I say this as someone with a history of an eating disorder, you think of things in terms of like, is it low cal? Is it low cal? Not Okay, is it nutritionally dense? So like something could be locale, but there's no nutrition in it, like rice cakes. I used to eat so many rice cakes just because I was hungry all the time and I wanted to eat something, but I didn't want to consume calories, so I would eat rice cakes. But rice cakes have no nutritional value. So that's why I was still hungry because I was fucking starving, like in terms of actually getting vitamins and minerals, you know what I mean? And actually getting things that my body needed to function. I wasn't consuming that. And like that was the whole crux of my binge eating disorder. Like I was raised by a mom who made it very clear that women were supposed to be thin. Yeah, my brother drank 2% milk. I had skim milk. My mom was on a diet my whole childhood, and this was like the 80s and early 90s, so there was a lot of low-fat cottage cheese on toast. Um, you know, you put your low-fat cottage cheese on toast with salt and pepper for breakfast, which is actually delicious if I remember correctly. And then for lunch, you have some low-fat cottage cheese with pineapple, and then you have a slim fast for dinner. Um, but uh, So it was very clear to me that being thin was important. And at a young age, the age of seven, I decided I would no longer eat meat. I didn't want to, I told my parents I wasn't going to eat anything with a centralized nervous system. And so I became a vegetarian and I still ate eggs and cheese and milk. Um, but then at, I, at 15, I became a vegan. And um, because it was proposed to me, like, I think I got indoctrinated. I went to a vegan potluck. They gave me their little zine pamphlets. And I was like, oh, okay, like, if I stop eating animals, I won't get cancer. And everyone in my whole family has gotten cancer, um, which is true. And so I really, uh, oh, my God, I can't even fucking sit in this chair. This fucking pain is insane. I haven't worked out yet today, guys, which is why I think it, maybe it's worse. Um so what? Oh, so I was like, okay, well, yeah, I got I stop the animal suffering. Don't get cancer. This sounds great. And then the narrative over time also became that like it was better for the environment. And it would be like farming releases more greenhouse gases than automobiles per year. And like, I do think it's wrong to shift the onus of global warming over to the consumer and be like, you need to buy a Prius. Like that's going to stop global warming because it's not, it's not. Um, it's like 10 corporations are responsible for 90% of greenhouse gases, something crazy like that. So like, fuck those people. But also 
monocropping of vegetables is really bad for the environment. So the idea that veganism is going to save the world is insane because monocropping is bad. And then you know what happens when you have an entire population existing on grains is that there's a lot of health and disease issues. And then we need to manufacture drugs for that. Um, so it's a bad scene. It's a bad scene. Regenerative agriculture will probably save things, small farming, homesteading, and regen like large-scale regenerative agriculture. And we can prove this. Uh, but for years, I was like this pious person who was like, well, it's okay that I drive a sports car because I'm vegan, so that helps balance out my carbon footprint. Um, also, you know what's great for your carbon footprint? Being poor. Being poor is great because you aren't buying shit. You aren't buying shit that's made in sweatshops. Um, when you make $25,000 a year and everything you own is from Goodwill or you know, hand-me-downs or found in alleyways, uh, you don't really have to worry about your carbon footprint. But um, but yeah, so the vegan fucking mafia, like they got to me and I had an attitude about it. I was super pious about it. Like I'm more vegan than anyone and I have to, you know, call around to get my flu shot to find a place that does the non-egg flu shot because like most flu shots, there's eggs involved in the creation of them, whatever. Um, and I was really on a high horse about that, uh, particularly when I was not just vegan, but then, cause like I got really fat being vegan. Let me just be real with you. I was fat and I developed, uh, insulin resistance, which is, which is the precursor to type two diabetes. And I had to take metformin. You know what else is caused by insulin resistance? Polycystic ovarian syndrome, which when I first developed that and was diagnosed at 15, they put me on birth control for it, which is actually not the right way to manage it because it is not a hormonally based disease. The hormonal imbalance is caused by insulin resistance and the treatment for it is to stop eating sugars and carbs and lose some fucking weight um, because fat cells make their own estrogen. So the higher your BMI, the higher your estrogen. Um, anyways, so, uh, but I didn't know that till much later, actually like 11 years later. Uh, so, um, veganism brainwashed me, but when I was vegan and then I went to a doctor because I was like, uh, I work out all the time. Why the fuck am I fat? And she was like, uh, cause you have insulin resistance and you drink too much and you need to quit drinking and eating carbs. And I was like, oh shit. So I did that and I lost a bunch of weight. So I was not just only vegan, but I was also anorexic. And then I thought I had really figured out life because I was so skinny and no animals were dying. Um, but that is not sustainable. 800 calories a day of vegetables is not a sustainable way to live. And what's going to happen because your body is starving, um, what's going to happen is that you will end up binge eating because your body is trying to get the things that it needs to survive. And when you're a fucking retard vegan, you will binge eat on things like vegan cookies and vegan donuts and all these fucking terrible things that are not going to help solve your nutritional deficiencies. Um, and that's where I was at. 
And that's where I was at. And so like when I talk about as I go on to pass judgment on sugar addicts and um, retard vegans, like I'm speaking from a place of experience because I became a vegetarian at age seven. I became a a vegan at age 15. I did not start eating animal products again until age 34. Um, And even now it's like a challenge because I don't eat like meat or dairy, but I take a lot of supplements with meat and dairy in them and I'll eat things that have meat or dairy in it, like a bulletproof bar, that sort of thing. Like I, you know, a protein bar with animal proteins and collagen in it, but like it doesn't present as meat. So I'm able to stomach it Um, because, you know, these sort of things like... (sighs) These sort of things that become ingrained in you where you just go, I can't eat animals. This is a dead animal. I want to – I can't do it. Um, And then you have to realize that your health takes precedent over an animal's health. It just does. It just does. Are you going to kill yourself so your dog can live? You're not. You're not. You know what I mean? If it's like, oh, your dog needs a heart transplant but you would die for your dog to live – you're not going to do it. It's That's not how that's going down. So sometimes to be healthy, some animals have to fucking die. And that's the way it is. And like no one wants to eat a factory farmed animal. Those aren't as good for you. They aren't as good for the animal. Um, they aren't as good for the environment. Like and they aren't as healthy for you. Uh, you know, we. but listen, listen get some shit that's like ethically grown and killed and whatever do it up you know what I mean um so I was an anorexic vegan and then my that I I my binge eating got so out of control I couldn't and I just was like okay well you need to stop binge eating that's the problem you need to stop binge eating and I read books you know, because I was scared I was going to die. I was having seizures and I was waking up in puddles of my own urine. You know, all the glamorous things. And meanwhile, I was like, why can't I find love? Because this was in the wake of leaving an abusive relationship and then like trying to get my head screwed on straight, you know, and not really dating. But I, I wanted to. I was lonely. I wanted to be held. Still do. Um, so, uh... So, but yeah, I'd be like, why can't I find love and human connection? It's like, bitch, because you're too busy binging and purging. But I read these books that were like, in order to recover from bulimia, you need to stop focusing on the calories of what you are eating and you need to focus on getting proper nutrition. So instead of being distraught because you eat a donut, you need to go, okay, I need to eat in addition to the donut, instead of going, okay, I can't eat anymore. I ate a donut. That's all my calories. I can't eat anymore. You need to go, no, bitch, eat, eat something else that has, you know, protein and vitamins in it. But like, I, it was really hard to bring myself to do that because like the fear is getting fat, right? The fear is like, instead of focusing on, okay, just don't eat sweets, go, okay, you're going to slip up and eat sweets. But if you do make sure you, you, you eat, uh, you know, some eggs or something, you know what I mean? And I just, it was really hard to do that. Um, and I tried to do it and uh, I, I built on it, I built on it. And um, like the worst thing in the world that could have ever happened, happened, which is that I got fat again. Um, and uh, it turned out the world didn't stop. And also it turned out like literally no one cared. 
Like no one cared that I gained 30 pounds. No one cared. Um, the world kept on spinning. People still liked me. All Overall, my life didn't really change. I wasn't super happy about it or comfortable. And I, honestly, I didn't feel as good. And we're not supposed to talk about weight as an indicator of health, but like it is. It is the same way you can tell by someone's skin whether or not they're healthy. The same way the diagnosis for many disease is like, are the eyes discolored? You know what I mean? Uh, if your hair falls out, it's a it, it's an indicator that something is wrong. Um, if your nails are brittle, like all of these things, the physical th- there are physical signs of disease, and but we're not supposed to acknowledge that weight is one of those. But anyways, I got fat and um, I also got very sick because I was progressively getting sicker with endometriosis because like right before I went on this journey of eating disorder recovery, I had surgery for my – I had my tubes removed to be surgically sterilized and um, the doctor quote unquote burnt off my endometriosis, which actually turns out makes it worse if you ablate it instead of excise it. So in the wake of this surgery, I was getting sicker and sicker with the endometriosis, which causes systemic inflammation. It's a fucking problem. And, um, and I was simultaneously getting fat because I was focusing on trying to get vitamins in my body and not count calories. Uh, but the world kept spinning. The world kept spinning. And, um, I'm fortunate, too, that in my early 30s, I made friends with two people who are uh, like PhD research scientists, both of who have written books about uh, health and nutrition, both who promote uh, cyclic ketogenic diets, um, high meat diets, no grains, no sugars, no carbs, both of who lost extraordinary amount of weight and treat patients for disease with these diets. And um, knowing them, talking to them, having them talk to me and not immediately be aggressive and be like, you're an idiot, you're vegan, like blah, blah, blah. But just them being like, well, this is what my research shows. And this is what I encourage my patients to do. And, you know, I wasn't ready to put any of that information into practice, but I, uh, I was willing to listen and also like these people were healthier and in better shape than me. And so, you know, it makes your brain go, okay, like all of the ideology that I know and believe in is contrary to what they say, but like they're healthier than me. Like I'm looking at it with my own fucking eyeballs in the same way that like society like we've been led to believe that red meat is the devil and red meat is the cause of disease but then if you look at the difference in skin of people who were on plant-based or grain heavy diets who then switched to a carnivore diet and you look at their skin like the way it changes you're like yeah I would almost say maybe the red meat was fine because look at their fucking skin it looks great now um So anyways, I wasn't ready to hear it yet, but then I'm also a big fan of Joe Rogan. He has a lot of scientists on. And my thing about... My thing about podcasts is I like to listen to people who are smarter than me explain things in terms that are more articulate than I could ever do. I hate day-to-day conversations because like I'm a bartender. So I deal with people not only who are drunks, but 
Um, I deal with them while they are drunk. So it's like the least intellectual version of that person. And so I have a lot of... Hey, this is behind a paywall right now. I have a lot of retarded conversations with people. That's what I do for a living is I talk to fucking retards. So when the thing about podcasts is that um, before work and after work, I get to listen to smart people talk, which I love because I am retired from academia after 14 years because I realized that it's a really expensive hobby. But I love college and I love learning. And so podcasts have really filled that gap where these are my smart friends. I listen to my smart friends talk. And um, I'm a pretty open-minded person. So a lot of people, like, they go into things going, this is my belief system. And anything that's contrary to it, they get angry about. And that's definitely how I was when I was younger. I feel like it's a young person's thing. And when people continue to be like that as they age, it's pretty annoying. Um, because, uh, I don't know, like, um, I, like, just fucking open your fucking mind. Open your fucking mind. Um, so anyways, uh, that's a thing. Sorry, I got a text and now I'm distracted and I shouldn't have looked at my phone. Shouldn't have looked at my phone while I was recording. So anyways, I listened to these podcasts uh, with scientists and it made me start thinking like, girl, you need to eat some meat. And you don't want to because what kids don't want to eat Brussels sprouts. And um, I started to eating these supplements and I slowly scaled back on my carb consumption. And like then I started doing keto six days a week and then on the seventh I would do carbs. And now by the time the seventh day rolls around, like I don't even want to eat carbs because they don't feel good. They don't fuel my fire. And um, so far I've lost 25 pounds and like my muscles have popped. And that's been wonderful. It's really fueled my ego it's my workouts are better. I feel better. But like, you're not allowed to say that weight is an indicator of health. But like, anyone who's experienced healthy weight loss can can tell you that like, you do feel better. Guess what? When you eat better and work out, you feel better. Your brain works better. Your happiness works better. Everything works better. And um, it's made me be like, Everybody has to do this. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're going to live being sick and sad. And the only thing that soothes us is more garbage food that actually perpetuates the cycle of how fucking terrible we feel. This is, remember when Susan Powder would be like, stop the insanity? And like, that's how I feel. And like, I can't even go online because I see so much like vegan propaganda by fat people with bad skin. And I'm like, why don't you look in the fucking mirror before you try to tell other people how to live? Because you look like shit. You are not the indicator like of health. You... You just posted about your autoimmune disease. I see your rosacea. I see your psoriasis. I see all these things. And then you're going to post these like vegan donuts that you're eating or whatever, like junk food, junk food, junk food. You're going to eat a Beyond Burger that's pure chemicals and then wonder why you don't feel good because you're eating fake food because it's not real food. It's not nourishing your 
body. And then you go like instead it's like treat yourself, eat pizza, blah, blah, blah. Or like people will be like, oh, you're so rigid because you're so strict with your diet or whatever. And it makes me like this serious, not fun person. But like, guess what? I feel good. And when you have been on the brink of disability because your health was so bad and you realize that you have the power to change that, like there's no turning back. And you, I, it makes me want to like shake people. Like, cause I have friends who are like two, literally 200 pounds overweight, like 200 pounds over what they should weigh. And they are on so many medications for so many health problems. And they like, they like medicate themselves with ice cream and stuff. Cause it's like, I'm having a bad day. I have a migraine. Let me eat this. You know what I mean? And it's like, but that's the root of the problem. You know, like, guess what? Heroin makes addicts stop sweating and shaking and going through withdrawals. But like, it's, it's, it is also the root of the problem. So anyways, I have become this overly aggressive keto animal product eating person. And, um, I'm also incredibly sexy and hence my new identity as Ho Rogan. And um, anyways, I'm going to go work out. I feel like I wanted to wrap this up in a better way, but that's not where I'm at right now. I'm going to go work out. So I love you guys. And if you're listening to this on the main feed, please subscribe to patreon.com slash sex, drugs, and spirituality. It's $1 a month. It goes a long way to making me feel like my life has meaning. All right. Bye.